Hey there, welcome back. It's been a little while since I've, I've been on here. My kids have been on spring break and we just had a nice little um, rest period. So we are back and ready to jump back into the Never Alone Bible study. Today we are starting session four, which will be four weeks of talking about the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Today is day one of session four and the title of today is He Fills Us. And this is going to be broken into two parts so that it's not too long. So let's just jump right in to today's um, lesson. So she says, I enjoy making my home a lovely place for my family and a welcoming space for friends. I'll get inspiration from home decorators on Instagram or watch my favorite show, Fixer Upper, and then spend more than I intended to to refresh um to refresh the feel of my home, right? A new pillow here, a new plant there, and several new candles, of course. Um, ladies, I am definitely guilty of this. I love making my home feel warm and inviting and cozy, and I love changing up my decor, especially each season. It just makes the home feel so just warm and inviting. I love it. But she says, perhaps you also enjoy making your home a lovely place to dwell. This hobby, if you will, can lead us to a helpful question about our lives in Christ. Are we committed to making our hearts a lovely and welcoming place for the Spirit to dwell like we're committed to making our homes a lovely place for friends and family to dwell? Making our hearts a lovely place, a lovely dwelling place, can be likened to welcoming His leadership in our lives. He longs to flood every room in our heart and lead us in the way of Christ. The Bible describes this leadership as being filled with the Spirit. Today, we'll consider what that means and how we are to live in response. All right, so we are going to jump right into Scripture. We are going to be in John chapter 3, and we're going to take a look at verses 1 through 15. But I'm going to kind of... um kind of tell you what's going on before we get into scripture so there is a religious leader named dick uh nicodemus yeah he's like one of the pharisees and he goes to see jesus after dark um one night to ask him some, a question and you know i believe that nicodemus went to him under the cover of darkness because he didn't want the other religious leaders to see him going to jesus Right, because the Pharisees were definitely uh, opposed to Jesus and his teachings, which is quite clear through the New Testament. So um, Nicodemus says to Jesus, he says, Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reprodu reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, 
you are a respected Jewish Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and and what, excuse me, I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe in me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. So, what is your understanding of what it means to be born of the Spirit? When Jesus explained salvation to Nicodemus, he emphasized the Spirit's work in a person's conversion using the language of spiritual rebirth. Essential to that rebirth is being born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit initiates our relationship with Jesus, then comes to dwell permanently in us. However, being given the Holy Spirit at salvation is not the same thing as being continually filled with the Spirit after conversion. Yes, we are mirac- we yes, we miraculously become home to the Holy Spirit when we begin to follow Christ and we receive the benefits of his presence, but it doesn't always follow that we welcome the outworking of those benefits in our daily lives or or in our parenting. That brings us to the second type of feeling and the one we will focus most of our attention on today. So now we're going to take a look in Ephesians So Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 18. It says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, as Paul instructed in verse 18, is to be under the influence of the Spirit. Unlike alcohol, which deadens parts of the brain and makes us less aware of reality, the Spirit enlightens our minds to the benefits of belonging to Jesus and empowers us to live the full and fruitful life promised to us in Christ. Sadly, many Christians forego the supernatural power God provides the limitless benefits he bestows and the fruit he manifests because we don't heed Paul's commands to be filled and live under the influence of the spirit. You know, I know I have mentioned this several times through this podcast that I myself have seen and witnessed in my own life that I did not start to produce fruit. I did not start to change until I began became filled with the Spirit. And that being filled with the Spirit came as a result of me asking to be filled with the Spirit. So, on a scale of 1 to 5, with 1 being not at all and 5 being all in, where would you say you land in living under the influence of the Spirit? Oh gosh, I wish I could say I was a (laughs) 5, but that is not... Um, the truth at all. Um, I'm definitely not a one, but I'm definitely not a five. So I'm somewhere, 
you know, maybe in the middle, maybe a 3.5, you know, um, I want, I crave to be filled with the spirit, but honestly, to be filled with the spirit, we have to be, you know, a lovely dwelling place, just like we just talked about a lovely dwelling place for the spirit. And I am not always a lovely dwelling place for the spirit. Sometimes I'm a hostile environment. And so I'm not always going to be filled with the spirit as a result, but it's something I am continuing to work on. So the, the Greek word here, um, use for be filled actually means, uh, is actually an, a command here. It means to be, um, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't optional, right? It wasn't supposed to be something that we chose. It was commanded. And Paul wasn't being bossy when he said this. Rather, he was reminding us that being filled and empowered by the Spirit is how God designed us to live. In fact, it's the only way to live a faithful and fruitful Christian life. So how does your feeling about being filled with the Spirit change when you think about this as a command and not just a friendly suggestion? Right? Um, God's Word says that if we love Him, we obey His commands. So knowing that uh, being filled with the Spirit is a command, you know, it also shows that we love Him when we walk out those commands. So in addition to being a command, this type of the Holy Spirit feeling is something we are to seek continually. A repeated experience on the daily. We can go to the Lord with nothing but an empty cup and ask him to fill us with his spirit. And he will do it over and over again. Isn't that great news? So let's talk about how to live filled. So when it comes to living out Paul's command to be filled with the Spirit, there is no set formula for us to follow. But there are biblical principles for welcoming and activating the Spirit's power in our lives. So let's look at um, some of those. So today we're going to look at two of those. And then in part two, we will look at the other three. Um, so let's look at 1 John. 1 9. 1 John 1 9. And it says this But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So, what two things did John say will happen if we confess? It says that we will be forgiven and we will be cleansed from all wickedness, right? And we need to be cleansed um, to be a, a nice place for the Holy Spirit, right? Because we, we sorrow the Holy Spirit. Uh, we grieve the Holy Spirit when there is sin in our life. So when we live filled with the Spirit, we quickly learn that the Holy Spirit and our sin are not friends. Confess any sin the moment he brings it to mind. Don't hold on to it. He is convicting you of it so you can be cleansed of it. We don't have to worry that our confession of sin will lead to rejection. God is faithful to forgive. 
Make it a daily practice to ask the Spirit to reveal the following types of sin and then confess them when He does. So known sin, the things you know you did but shouldn't have done and the things you should have done but didn't do. Unknown sin, the areas in our lives where we don't even realize we are rebelling. And this is really important, guys, that we ask God to expose any unknown sin because um, that sin, when it's remained hidden, hidden, we cannot confess it. So when you are uh, in prayer, ask God to reveal um, unknown sins. He will bring them to the surface. He will bring them to your mind, I promise. And then the thirdly is sins of self-righteousness. These are areas where we're convinced that we're good enough and we don't need God's grace or, you know, we've been smug about sin or where um, we attempted to satisfy God's holy demand with good works. All right. Because the human heart is the most deceitful of all things, we need the Holy Spirit to help us get honest about our sinfulness. God even... God may even use trusted friends to bring to light aspects of our lives that need to be reoriented. In a sense, the Spirit uses other believers to convict us of sin and lead us to confession. This shows both the individual and corporate aspect of the Spirit's involvement in our lives. This is something we can and need to do for our children. We can't play the Spirit's role in inclining their hearts toward godliness, but we can help them understand what's going on in their hearts when they choose rebellion. So think think for a moment about your parenting. How do you respond when your child confesses a mistake to you? Do you view your child's confession as something done for your sake, his or her sake, or something else? Our children often run and hide instead of willingly confessing when they mess up. They fear consequences, scolding, or even disappointing us. Yet more often than not, we want to turn their mistakes into teachable moments by giving forgiveness, correction, and a change of course. We know we can't transform our children's hearts and make them desire honesty because that's the Holy Spirit's job, but there is something powerful we can do. Like I just mentioned, we can help our children understand what's going on inside their hearts when they sin. We can teach them that their sin never changes God's love or ours for them. They can choose to hide their sin and let shame fester in their hearts. Or they can confess their sin, receive forgiveness, learn from the consequences, and walk in freedom. Similarly, (laughs) our exercise of confession leads to forgiveness. We want to be purified. We want to be free from shame. We want restoration with our Father. We want to make our hearts a welcoming home for the Holy Spirit. So I'll just kind of tell you a quick little story that happened recently um, with my children. Um, My son had some friends over, and they were playing with one of my daughter's toys. Well, when I was cleaning out my attic one day, I found the toy in the attic and it was broken. And I knew right away that those boys had broke the toy and they were trying to hide it and they threw it in the attic. So I confronted them about it. I first asked them, you know, if they wanted to tell me what happened, right? I gave them, you know, the, ch- the chance to confess. 
you know, and they did. They told me what happened. They told me that someone sat on the toy and accidentally broke it. And they were afraid that my daughter would get upset with them. So instead of going to the to my daughter, confessing it and asking for forgiveness, they tried to hide it. And so I used that as a, a teachable moment to let them know that, look, guys, it's okay that the toy was broken. And I said, but I'm disappointed that you did not go to the person, show them what happened and, you know, and apologize because you tried to cover up what you did and, and that's wrong. And so I just use that as a very teachable moment and, you know, just kind of told them from now on, y'all need to be forthcoming, you know, when something like that happens. So that was a very, very good teachable moment for my son and his friends. So now let's take a look at Psalm 139 and see what it says. Let me get there. Psalm 139 and we're going to read verses 23 and 24. Okay, it says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. This is something for us all to pray um, on, on a daily basis, honestly. And this is something that I, I pray often um, because I need the Lord to search me out, my heart out, because as human beings, we don't always want to be forthcoming. Um, we kind of sometimes want to think more highly of ourselves. So we have to ask the God, ask God to search us, um, to reveal those things that we need to confess. So without fear of rejection, ask the spirit to search and expose the sin that stands in the way of you being filled with the fullness of God. Yes, Lord God. Reveal anything. So let's talk about repentance. Let's look in the book of Acts. Chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. It says, Now, repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. The word repent is a Greek word that, that means to have a change of heart. Repentance is about more than feeling sorry for our sins or regretting the consequences of our actions. It's a deep sorrow for wrongdoing that leads to an internal change of heart and mind, a turning away from, you know, a turning against those things. When I don't feel genuine sorrow for my sin, I ask the Spirit to break my heart over my sin. I ask him to tenderize my heart to the price Jesus paid on the cross. This isn't about wanting to feel ashamed of myself over my sin. It's about not wanting to be prideful about the seriousness of it. But there's something else significant about repentance that we often overlook. In verse 20, it says that repentance brings a time 
of refreshing. Oh my gosh, doesn't that sound wonderful? To be refreshed. What area in your life needs refreshment right now? What aspect of your parenting needs refreshing through repentance? This makes me think of um, uh, the 23rd Psalm. How he leads us by the quiet waters and has us to lay down and, and to rest, right? He gives us that refreshing. And we see a parallel of this in John um, chapter 7. John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. That says, On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't read verse 30, 39. Um when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because she had not yet entered into his glory. Um, that was prior to the book of Acts. Um, when I think of, you know, this, the verse that we read in John about the being thirsty and, you know, think about like a time when you have been so thirsty and just a cold drink of water was just so refreshing, right? And that's that's how we have to come to the Holy Spirit, like thirsty. Like I need to be refreshed. I am so parched. I am a desert. I need the Lord's living water flowing through me. Oh, man, that's so good. So let's end with this. So Mama... Lean into him for renewal and refreshing. Oh, that's so good. I know that we all need some refreshing uh, now and again. So let's seek God for that refreshing uh, when we need it. And so that is the end of of part one of of day one of session four. So keep listening for part two. We're going to talk about yielding, abiding, and asking in part two, and I cannot wait. Thanks for listening to the Raising Tiny Disciples podcast. Keep tuning in each week to get encouragement to confidently disciple your kids in everyday life.